And whenever you guys are there, just say amen so I know that I can start reading. Amen. Okay, 2 Corinthians 9.10. It says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And last week, Pastor Miranda talked about that sometimes what we have is not bread to eat. It's not what to keep for us to keep, that it's a seed to sow. And I remember Dr. Rodney, his... um, his thing around tithe and offering if it's not big enough if it doesn't meet the need that whatever we're whatever we need that money for that it's seed to sow because if it's not gonna meet what we need to do we have to sow it so that God can multiply that seed amen and so even tonight or even in our giving, I want to challenge you that it's not just 10% that we give, it's not 20% or a set amount, but ask the Lord, what is it that you need to give so that you can see a harvest from that? Because when we give, we will reap a harvest, and even with the um, sowing and reaping, that we will reap a harvest from it. Amen? Yeah. So yeah, if you need envelopes, Kalai and Jesse has them. You can write your checks out to KC. You can text to give. You can give online. Okay, I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you for, um, as we give, that your word says that you will give back onto us, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So we thank you, Lord, for that everything that we are believing for, that as we sow that seed, that we will see a harvest from, that we will see the very things that we are believing for, houses, cars, anything that we are believing for, we will see those things come into existence. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Good evening. All right. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to um, Romans. Romans 12. Romans 12, 2. I'm going to be talking about the mind of Christ. How do we obtain the mind of Christ? Because it's important for every believer, because we have to decide, once we are born in the spiritual nature, we have to decide between the carnal man and the spirit that lives within inside of us. And we have to make a choice to follow what God is leading in our own hearts and even in his own word. So Romans 12, starting at verse 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern that this is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God has a good, acceptable, and perfect will for each and every person here. God wants us to move in that perfect will. But in order to do that, we must have the mind of Christ. Because when we walk in our own vision, things can get a little blurry. Things can get a little um, lopsided. We don't necessarily do what God called us to do. We have to have a different mind about us. It can't be a mind of carnal nature. And it can't be from the wisdom of the world. It has to be from the word of God and what God relays in your own spirit. And even in that, God can tell you to do something 
that you may not be comfortable with, but you have to walk in that. For example, we have a lot of people that have moved from Hawaii to here because of the calling of God on their lives. So, and when you take that step, you're following the calling of God on, of, on your life, and in doing so, you're hearing from the Word of God. Now, you can choose to stay behind. You can choose to stay, put where you're at and listen to the carnal nature because nothing ever like that is easy. Or you can walk out in what God called you to do. It's a choice. And you have to decide whether you're going to obey the Spirit of God in order to see that perfect will or you're going to follow the carnal man. And a lot of times as believers, we can sometimes walk in our own path and then be upset that it didn't really work out for us. And be like, Lord, why didn't, we, why didn't this happen? You said that this would happen. You promised me this. It's like, well, did you do what I told you to do first? Did you walk this out? Did you do what I put in your heart to begin with, or did you do what you wanted? And you, you see, Abraham did that with, um, the son of, with the birth of his son Isaac. He never listened to what God told him to do, and then he had the problem with Ishmael. And we'll get into that a little later. But even Jesus, did you know even Jesus still had to choose between his carnal flesh and the Spirit of God? Turn to Luke. <clears throat> or my bad, John 6. John 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who has sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that is given to me, but raise it up for the last day. Even Jesus told the disciples and the people around him that I am not here for my own will. I am not here on my own accord, but from the one who has sent me. He's even sitting here saying, I'm not doing everything I'm doing on my own. I'm doing everything by the leading of the Spirit of God inside of me, by my Father. I'm going off the instructions of my Father. I'm not going off the instructions of my own flesh. Jesus was still a carnal man. He was born into human flesh. He fasted for 40 days. That's not something easy to do, whether you're the Son of God or not. You're fasting. He still had a human body that said, I'm hungry. He still did things that were, su that he still was a natural man that did things that were supernatural because of the obedience to the word of God. He said, I do nothing except for the will of my father. That's why Jesus saw so many miracles. That's why, and it, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We are to be like Christ. So if we see that he did all of these miracles, what has he given us? What has he called us to do? And you see, he did the work of his father. Did Jesus ever have something called faith plus wisdom or faith and wisdom like we see today? Closing down churches, it's okay to have faith and wisdom. You know, wisdom says stay out of churches. No. Did Jesus ever one time say to the leper, faith and wisdom, you're sick, I'm not, I'm not going to get in around you. Faith plus wisdom says I'm not going to pray for you. Did he ever one time tell the man that had the shriveled up arm that he stretched out, did you go to the doctor and check that out? Did you go get that figured out? You should go to a doctor. Wisdom would say, go check that out. Maybe they have a prescription for you that will help you out with that. Loosen up the muscles. No, he healed him. He didn't give wisdom. He didn't give worldly wisdom. He commanded every evil thing, every infirmity, every disease from someone's body to leave, and it left. Jesus didn't wear a mask praying for the lepers. He healed the lepers. Same thing with us. We are called to a generation to set them free. We are supposed to look different. And I know everyone here knows that because none of you guys left church even during the COVID-19 thing. 
None of you miss service. So I know you know that. And I know you're not afraid because you have God inside of you and you're listening to the Spirit of God. Jesus still operated in the Spirit. We have to make a choice to operate by the Spirit of God in our lives. And it's the only way we can see God move. But again, we have faith for healing, but again, we have to renew our mind in other areas as well. We have to renew our mind around finances. We have to renew our mind around certain faith elements that we may not see. Abraham had to do the same thing. Abraham had faith for finances, as you can see. He left his mother and father's house, and in the same chapter, three, like two verses, he was a very rich man. You saw he went from leaving his mom and dad's to becoming a rich man. He left his mom and dad's basement, and after that, he became a millionaire. Think of it like that. And But again, what happened with his son Isaac? He messed up because he didn't believe the voice of God when it was given to him. He had Ishmael. So you can see he had faith for one thing, but he didn't have faith for another. Sometimes we can be stuck and not have faith in an element that we're believing in, but we listen to God in something else. We have to renew our mind to every area in our life, and everything we do, we have to walk in. It's like even moving. When God calls you to move somewhere, and I can say this in my own life, when God tells you to do something, if God calls you into ministry, that doesn't mean you do everything in, God can call you to move. God can call you to do something, but again, you have to follow the calling of God. If I'm called to be an evangelist, what do I need to do to pursue those steps? Do I go get a secular job, or do I pursue the calling that God gave me? What do I choose to do with what God told me to do? You have to say, God, this is what you said I'm supposed to be. I'm walking out that plan in my life. No matter what the world says, no matter what wisdom says, what have you called me to do? It's the renewal of your mind. You are taking faith. You are taking the element that God gave you and growing it to a new area. Turn to Genesis. Starting at 16, Genesis 16. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, starting at verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no child. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Carnal nature, worldly wisdom. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And she saw that she had conceived. She looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong be done to by, be on you. I gave you my servant to you, you embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. So you see, Sarah gets mad after she told Abram to do something. And I want to give you an example here. You have Abraham, who is us. You have God's word which will represent God's word, and then you have Sarai, which is human wisdom and the carnal man. So you have um, Abraham, who has to choose between the carnal man and God's word. 
And again, both sides are speaking to you. God can give you a promise, but if you don't believe the promise that God gave you, your first instinct is to run to the carnal nature, the thing that makes sense to you. But you can see from that story, that only created problems. In fact, it even prolonged Abraham from seeing the promise of God on his life when he walked in the carnal nature. You have to choose between what you're going to believe. And you'll have people that will come and speak to you about the decisions. Just like Sarah, I spoke in Abraham's life. It was his own wife saying, I don't think God said I can't have a kid. Did you see? She even said that. God has kept me from having children. So she's blaming the whole thing on God. Now it's God's fault that I can't have kids. Now it's your fault that I have a kid that's not my own. So you see Sarah is playing the blame game with this, and that's what people will do with your own life. They'll tell you what you should do. They'll tell you what you shouldn't do. And if you listen to them, they'll still have a criticism about what you just did that they told you to do. You have to obey the voice of the Lord, and then people will see that example. Abraham had a choice. He could listen to his wife or he could listen to God. He could have said, no, this is what God told me. This is what we're going to believe. And in fact, you see um, one chapter over in 17, you see God comes down. He said, Abraham, why did you do this? Why did you have Ishmael? I told you that I would give you a son from your wife, Sarah. And he said, Lord, can't you just use Ishmael? Can't you just use this? And he said, no, that's not what I promised you. That's not what I gave you. I gave you a son from your own wife. You have to choose between the path of God. And he even said, can you just use this? Can you use the problem I'm in now? No, you still have to step out in faith. You still have to walk in the faith that God gave you. God can't use a problem that you created and make it good until you turn it around and walk in the plan of God. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people get upset that God's not getting them out of the problem they're in. They stay in a position, and they blame God because God's not getting them out. But that's not God's plan. His plan is not to help them in their situation until they turn that around and walk in faith the other direction. You cannot continue walking down a bad path and expect God to bless you and turn that situation around for good. Until you follow the plan of God on your life, God cannot utilize you. He wants to watch you step, and he'll step alongside you. But he does not follow you when you go down a path that he told you not to do. It's called obedience. Same thing with a parent. Now, as a kid, if I run in front of a semi-truck, will my parent follow me, or will he jerk me away? My parent's not going to walk out there in front of me. No. He makes a decision to pull me out of the road. Same thing with God. God's not going to follow along a bad decision. He's going to tell us, no, I told you to do this. Now come back. It's the same kind of thing. God does not, and we treat God differently. It's kind of funny. We treat God like he's like supposed to help us no matter what way we're walking, good or bad, making bad choices, but then God's still supposed to help us. God is like a parent. What would your natural parent do? Does he pull you out of the road, or does he leave you to go, or does he follow you? So you have to look at it, common sense. God still operates at a common sense level. What is God telling you to do? You have to obey that to reap the benefits of that on your life. God will tell you to do things that don't make sense, but you still have to obey because it's God's word. Gideon had 300 men, and he wiped out an entire army. That doesn't make sense. 300 men does not wipe out an entire army. But God said, so he did. So when God tells you to do something, you have to walk that out in obedience. Moses or Noah built an ark for 120 years with no sign of rain. Is that 
God telling him to do that, or is that man? You have to decipher, what is God telling me to do? He could have said, nah, that's silly. I'm not going to waste 120 years building a boat. He could have chose to do what he wanted to do. He could have chose to go out with his buddies every night. But instead, he heeded the voice of the Lord and did what God told him to do. It's obedience, and that's when we see the promise. Just like Abraham, he saw Isaac after he obeyed. And think about this. What if Abraham ever had the faith to take Isaac up to sacrifice him if he never had the faith to have Isaac in the beginning? What if God told him to take up Ishmael and sacrifice him? Do you think Abraham would have done it? I don't think he would have because he's never seen God move in a supernatural environment. He never saw God move on the behalf of his first promise, so why would he follow him a second one? Until he moved, you cannot move from a position until you step out on faith in the first thing God told you to do. It's like levels. You can't go to level two until you beat level one. You have to do what God tells you to do. I don't believe Abraham would have had the faith to walk out the killing of his own son if he didn't even obey the first step. You have to understand when God tells you to do something, you have to give your all into it. It's obedience and it's the renewing of the mind in Christ Jesus. Turn to 1 Corinthians. If you guys aren't familiar with the story about King Saul, when God told him to wipe out a neighboring tribe, he, God said, kill every living thing, every man, woman, and child, even the beasts of the land, all of their livestock, wipe out. Because this is the command of the Lord. God told him, King Saul to do that. King Saul was a king chosen by God to rule over Israel. But instead, he, this decision, he chose to let the king live and all the livestock live. And he said, I am going to take the livestock and offer it as a sacrifice to God for giving us the city. Sounds pretty good, right? Hey, God, hey, God may have said not kill this, but I'm pretty sure he wouldn't mind if I sacrificed it to God. Well, you see, that made God very mad because now he's calling Samuel over. And after that point, the anointing of the Lord was no longer upon Saul to be king of Israel. He lost it after that day because of the choice he made. Just because something looks good doesn't make it the plan of God over your life. God utilizes what you, he's told you to do. He can't utilize anything else. And you see Saul suffered from that decision from that day on. You have to choose what path, no matter what makes sense in your mind, you have to choose what path you're going to walk. I set before you life and death. Choose life. It's a choice. You have to walk in what God called you to walk to see it through. No matter how good a situation looks, no matter what job offer they may have gave you, no matter what, if God gives you a check in your spirit about something, you have to listen to that. Because it'll save you from a lot of trouble later on down the road. God has a good plan for every one of us. And it's funny because sometimes we make like he doesn't. God, are you sure? We ask him that a lot, don't we? God, are you sure this is really it? God, are you sure this is what you want me to do? Because we don't see it in our own mind, but God sees everything. He sees what's going to happen 10 years from now. And sometimes we don't trust God with the simplest of things in our own life. But when we renew our mind that God has the very best for us, no matter what we choose, it's very easy to obey the voice of God after that point. It's very easy to walk in what God called us to do. 1 Corinthians 2. We'll start at verse 6. 
Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. We have a wisdom that we have access to that isn't from this world. It's not that any king on this earth is known. It's nothing that a carnal man can know. It is the wisdom of God. We have that access to that wisdom. We, God has a plan for us. God wants us to access the wisdom he has for us. As you can see in this verse, wisdom that not even the kings of old, rich kings, King Solomon would, would even know because God has something greater th- for us. And now we can know that because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Let's continue. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. God has a plan, and he has prepared something for you when we walk in obedience into God's word. He has a plan for those who love him. What does the Bible say? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will do what I say. And because we don't live in the old law, we don't have to follow all 612 rules from the Old Testament. We have a new covenant where we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us to know the will of God over our lives. Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of the person which is in him? Who knows your thoughts? Who knows your thoughts? No one else knows what you're thinking right now. No one else knows. Only you know your thoughts. But the spirit knows. Same thing. Get this. Back on verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of which a person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, who has re- have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We have access to God's Spirit once we become saved. God wants us to know what He wants for our lives. Did you know that? God wants you to know the plan He has for you. God wants you to know his spirit. Who has had access to God's spirit until the New Testament? Unless God came in the tent of tabernacle, no one knew what God's plan was. No one knew what God's plan was, and it wasn't individually. It was for a mass congregation. Until Jesus died on the cross and we had the Holy Spirit, no one could ever know the singular plan God has for you over your life. But now that we have God living inside of us, we can know every detail God wants for us and when we obey the word of the Lord and walk it out we will see God's goodness come upon our lives verse 14 actually 13 and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths that truths to those who are spiritual the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges only things 
but his himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. This is why we can know what God wants over our lives. This is why we can understand God's will. He says, don't follow human wisdom. Don't follow what the world would call wisdom. What the world would call, go get your vaccination every year. Go get your vaccination. Go do this. Get a house loan. Get a car loan. What if God wants you to live at debt free? What if God has told you to do a different plan than the rest of the world? What if God says, no, I want like Melanie. You know, just this past time with that story you told. Um, yeah, about, what was it, about a year or so ago? You went back to the doctor and they tested? Yeah. And, and again, you have to choose to walk out in faith in those kinds of situations rather than listen to man's word. You have to choose to walk out what God has placed in your own spirit. What has God told you to do in your own spirit, in your own prayer time? What has God put inside of your spirit to do? What has God put in your spirit to walk out? Do you walk out? If God told you to do something, then you've got to follow it. But if God has given you a plan that does not look like what the rest of the world is doing, when you obey that, God's blessing will be behind it, and it will overtake you, and you will look different than the rest of the world. You will look stronger. You will look better. You will look more prepared. And when the day of evil comes, you will stand your ground because you held fast to the promise of God over your life. You didn't back down. You have to stand firm on what God is telling you to do. And it's very important. In every area of our lives, we have to walk in what God's obedience to us is. Every area of our life. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? No one has better plans for you than God himself. No one has a better plan for you than God. And once you realize that, I think it would be a lot easier for everyone to follow God after that point. If everyone knew that God had something good for him. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to, plans to give you a future and a, those are good things. If God has that plan over your life, then we must walk that out through obedience. Jesus even said, I don't do my will, but the will of my Father. Once we walk out the plan of God has for us, we will see the best that God has. We will see, just like when Joshua and Caleb went into the land, they brought good fruit back, but because no one else was willing to obey God, they had to wait 40 years. Disobedience can set you on a backtrack. Disobedience can put you in a place where you now have to wait for the blessing of God over your life. And you can be stuck in a rut because you didn't listen to what God told you to do at the beginning. It can hold you back and can put you in a position to where seeing that forward, seeing what God had, now you have to wait years because you chose not to listen in the beginning. If God tells you to make a certain investment. You have to listen to that. If God tell, Again, I, I, I invest in stock. I still listen to the Spirit of God. There was a time where God told me to do something. It was a couple weeks ago. He told me to invest, to invest in a certain stock. I didn't listen. I thought it was my own thoughts. And I watched it rise. I didn't jump into that. You have to obey the voice of the Lord. You have to hear what God wants for you. You have to know 
every plan God has for you. Because once you do, that's when the goodness of God comes upon you. It's through your obedience. Just like how Joshua and Caleb stood on the promise of God and, and they obeyed God walking into the land of Canaan. When they were the only two, they still didn't back down. And in fact, the rest of the tribe were actually ready to stone them because of what they spoke. The rest of the world will want to criticize you and tear you down for the words you speak. Even Christians, it's like what I talked about last time. They were going to stone them. When you stone someone in the Israelite culture, what they did is they stoned people that blasphemed, that were adulterers, and people that killed people. So again, they didn't murder. They weren't adulterers. But what did they do in their eyes? They blasphemed. They said stuff that they didn't agree with. People will look at you with the words you speak and call it blasphemy because they don't understand it. People will look at what you say and they'll criticize it because they don't understand it. When you say you're healed, that doesn't make sense to them. I don't get sick. Well, isn't that a little prideful? No, it's not. I have the blood of Jesus over me. I'm rich. Why are you driving that car? I'm going to be rich. It's like the story that David Oyodepo tells when he saw a Rolls Royce outside. He said, I'm going to have one of those one day. And the guy that was with him laughed. And he said, how are you going to have one of those? You can't even afford shoes. He said, watch, I'll have one of those one day. And now you see he has the largest church in almost the entire world driving exactly what he said he was going to drive. People will look at you and say, you are crazy for what you believe. But when you speak out the promises of God and follow the promises of God over your life, they'll overtake you. It has to be your heart condition. Your heart has to be in alignment with what God promised you so you can see it. What you speak, you will reap. What you say, you will see come upon your life. When you speak good things over your life, people will criticize you. But I promise, as you speak blessings over your life and blessings of what God told you you were going to have, if Abraham said to himself, I'm going to have a son that is my own, not born from some other woman, but born from my own blood, I'm pretty sure he would have been a lot more convinced to do what God said he was going to do. I'm pretty sure he would have been a lot more convinced that God's promise was real instead of being on the fence for so long. What do you think he did the second time when God told him to sacrifice his son? He didn't go tell Sarah what God told him, did he? You see, he kept his mouth shut that time. He was like, I'm not going to tell the rest of the world. I'm not going to go out and tell everyone what God told me to do. Why? Because all they're going to do is put seeds of doubt in my head. Sometimes you've got to walk alone. Sometimes you may have to go up that battle alone. But when God tells you to do something, that's when people will rally in behind you. After they see the success in your life. But you have to choose, I'm not going to tell them because all they're going to do is convince me not to do it and not to obey the voice of the Lord. He didn't even take his servant up. Just him and his son, he didn't tell Sarah. He just said they're going to go sacrifice. Never made another comment about it. Sometimes when you have a belief in your heart that you know is going to come to pass, don't tell people you know that will discourage you out of it. There are people like that, and there are people close to you that will do that. There are people that are very close to you that will do that and convince you that the promise of God over your life, that's not possible. How is that possible? This is what you should do. People that are great, parents do that. Parents love us, so they want to see the best for us. But again, you have to follow the, what God put in your own heart. You have to follow the plan of God in your own life. 
If you have any kind of family that cares about you, they're going to want to have a voice in your life. But sometimes when you put aside what everyone else says, don't tell them your plans, don't tell them what you're doing, and just follow God, that's when you see the difference. Because you aren't allowing doubt into your mind. You're not allowing your spirit to waver, but you are renewing your mind to what God told you to do and not letting anything else into your mind. Just allowing what God put in your spirit. And that's what it is. Putting what God put in your spirit and then not receiving any other words from any outside source. I remember when we found a lump on your body a few, like, what was it, three, four weeks ago? Maybe a little longer than that. And, again, didn't look it up. Didn't go to Google. Didn't look up, oh, what could this be? What, like, again, when you think of lump, people think cancer. People think certain diseases. No, we didn't look that up. We didn't look up what symptoms could it be. We didn't run to the doctor. We prayed right then and there, took communion, thanked Jesus for what he already did for us. Six hours, it was gone. Still don't know what it was to this day. But we didn't worry about it. We didn't worry about what God, we worried only about what God's word said. We didn't worry about the voice of man, man's wisdom. Man's wisdom is folly to the rest of the world. What does the Bible say? Let God be true and every man be a liar. Every man's voice doesn't matter, only God's. And we have to learn to follow God's voice. That's when we see breakthrough. That's when we see things change. And on a side note, find people that will encourage you in what you believe in. Find people who will build you up and the things you believe in. The Bible says iron sharpens iron, so another brother sharpens another. You have to find people that are like-minded faith with you. Find people around you that will build you up. Find people around you that will encourage you in your walk. Instead of going to the person, the Bible says don't cast your pearl before the swine. Don't go to people that will discourage you in your vision, that will discourage you in what you're trying to walk out. Go to people that you know, people of faith, people with like-minded eyes. Go to them, and they will tell you what to do. They'll give you correct wisdom, and you'll feel so much better. You'll feel built up. And that's when you see the goodness of God, is when you walk his plan out, you don't waver. Don't leave a back door open. Don't leave something that you can run back to if it doesn't work out. Don't have a fallback plan if God's plan doesn't work out. That'll get us into trouble. Because if we're always looking back, how can we focus forward on what God has for us? If there's always a back door, if there's always an exit route, how can we continue to move forward? It's a lot more tempting to run back when there's an exit door than it is to go forward. If there's an exit to a problem or an exit to something of faith that God's told us to do, and we look at that more than what we look at the thing that God told us to do, eventually we're going to come off course. It's like riding a bike. Your goal is to get through that door, but again, if you're constantly looking back, you're going to crash because you're not focused on what's ahead of you. You're focused on what's behind you. And then you'll turn around. After you crash, you'll turn around, but the reason you fail to begin with is because you weren't looking forward at what God had for you in the beginning. 
The reason people fall is because they're not focused. They may be going forward. They may seem like they're walking without the destiny God had for them. But if they keep looking side to side, if you keep looking from man's opinion, man's voice, this, that, what everyone else is saying around you, and you keep looking through the exit door, how can you walk out what God had for you and not expect to fall down because of all the opinions being fed to you? Opinions are great. But again... The only one you should be listening to is God. Unless you're doing research or figuring out ratings on Amazon, there should no, be no opinions. You should be looking up on circumstances of life. Go to the word of God for your problems and then stand on that alone. And from that point on, your life is going to look different. From that point on, your life is going to change. And for you to have the mind of Christ, there is one requirement for that to be happen in your life. And it comes through salvation. It comes through knowing who God is. And maybe you're sitting here today, maybe you're listening to me on the live broadcast and thinking to yourself, I've never thought like how God thinks. How do I even know what God thinks? It's because your spirit isn't alive inside of you. And it's very simple to do that. All you have to do is confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and say, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ and welcome him into your life. And then your life is forever changed. And now from that point on, your life doesn't have to look the same. The old is gone and the new has come. Once you receive salvation, everything that you have done, everything that has misconstrued your mind from that point on will leave. And now you take upon your new birthright, which is of God, and you receive God as your Lord and Savior, your life will look completely different. And you have the mind of Christ from that point on. So maybe you're sitting here today, and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You've never confessed Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you today. Or maybe you're online. Maybe you're sitting there wondering, you know, I fell away a long time ago from God. I didn't walk the plan of God out. I was on a good path, but then I got sidetracked. Then I walked away. Or maybe you're sitting there wondering, I love God, and I want to follow the plan of God, but I don't know that I'm even saved. I want to pray with you. If you fit into any of these three categories, I want you to close your eyes and say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me and that you're coming back again for me. Jesus, I thank you that I'm saved, I'm born again, and I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.